Emily. Hi. Hey. It's episode 55. That's two fives. It's two old fives. Yeah. In a row. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I think that's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Even though I feel like we just did episode 50. I know it was a long time ago now. It was a very <laughs> long time ago. <laughs> we should mention, what are we drinking? Box wine. Delicious blush. Yes. I love that. It's great. I gave you a variety of things that were currently in my house. <laughs> yes. And there were are there are a variety. I considered briefly making a Franken cocktail, but then I was afraid. I also don't have any like mixers. I just right. have straight alcohol. I'd be making like wine, a martini with weird shit. And beer. Although I do think I have enough gin for two martinis. Oh shit. We could do But martinis. I don't think I have any olives. I mean that's not a huge deal. How about we drink our boxed wine, we do this story, and then, you know, we see how we feel. We're in a martini mood. That's fair. A martude. No. Unless you're just in a martude right now. I'm always in a martude. That's so real. <laughs> I'm just scared if I start drinking straight liquor, I'm going to get very drunk tonight. That's fair. <laughs> You and I have to work tomorrow. Yeah, you have to work, and you're going second, which means you just have to be coherent enough yeah. to tell the story. So, although that happened the first time we drank martinis, I went second. Oh, yeah. I don't remember some of that episode. Episode four. Yeah. We were doing Lady Killers. Um, I only remember that because we think of it all the time as, like, the drunk episode. Yeah, because we were drunk. We were very drunk. And that was not Mistakes were made, No. Yeah. Uh, but then we returned to that, and I believe it's called Oops All Gin. Yeah. And that was kind of a mistake, too. We I were less know. drunk. Yes, somewhat. I don't. I we don't had more control. A little. I think we just knew what was happening. <laughs> I don't recall having any more control, personally. <laughs> I think I went first in that episode, too. That, that helped a lot. Possible. Yeah. <laughs> For me. Right. I don't Maybe know about you. Worse. I don't know. I don't know. It probably wasn't great. <laughs> I don't know. Look, here we are. I'm drinking out of a BB-8 mug. I have my Pua mug, for those familiar with Moana. It's I got it at the Disney store. It's meant for children, and I'm drinking wine out of it. <laughs> um, I literally hear nothing wrong with that entire thing you just said. That tends to be how I roll. <laughs> oh, this is meant for a child? Let me put alcohol in it. Let me make this as adult as I can, mm -hmm. but still have it in my life because it's cute. Yeah, it's very <laughs> cute. Fuck yeah. All right. Let's fucking do this. Let's get maybe maybe upset. We'll see. You you might know you might know some of this. You're you. I am me. So you hear things. You know stuff. I am me and we are we. Uh oh. And we are all together. Mm hmm Are we becoming one? I am the walrus. Can I be the eggman? Yes. Ha <sighs> okay. Cuckoo kachoo. Thank you. As long as I can be the eggman, I'm happy. You can cuckoo kachoo yourself as much as you want over there. That's what I do every day. You are a little far away still. It feels a little weird. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to do about it. It's it's fine. I just feel do you, you want to like alone. should it's we fine. shove our mics into the couch again? <laughs> like is that is that what you want? I enjoyed that. It was hard and it sucked, but I loved yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, we have a lovely setup. Um, Emily's whole apartment is set up basically for large group D&D. &D. Yeah. 
it's pretty dope, but it doesn't mean now that there's just a lot more table space, which is right. cool, but you're so this, far. This weekend was a little too busy to tear it down. Fair. It's Oktoberfest. So it's Oktoberfest. We didn't even talk about that. We didn't. Have you had any encounters with people you hated? Yes. <laughs> that was so fast. Please tell me. <laughs> so we went down to the fest grounds Saturday afternoon. First of all, all I wanted, literally all I wanted, the only reason I went to any of the fest grounds was for a deep fried Snickers. Fuck yeah. Absolutely. Because the last time I had one was like four years ago. Sure. And it's like the white whale. Oh, God. You're chasing it in your dreams. Uh-huh. That's all I wanted. Oh, no. They didn't have it. What the fuck? And then I get a picture today from someone. They're back in stock down at the fest grounds. So they ran out and then had to get yeah, more. Yeah, they took the sign down. Damn. Uh, and they're like, you can come down. Parking's not that bad today. I'm like, I'm not coming back down to the fucking fest grounds today. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. But while we were in line getting beers, as you do, right. at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday, at Oktoberfest. At Oktoberfest. I mean, two o'clock is pretty respectable, yeah. honestly. I was being an adult about it, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a guy sticking his hands down the back of women's pants. Oh, no. No, no, no. Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah, in the beer line. That's horrifying. Yeah. What was happening? Was he getting Nothing. Hits? No. Were they screaming? How? Whoa. Like, different women. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, that's upsetting. It's for the best he didn't come to me. Yeah. Uh, He'd have walked away with less balls. I can't believe he wasn't at least smacked. I mean, everyone's drunk, I guess, but like, I thought that would make people more likely to fight. Yeah. Woof. Okay. So that's what Oktoberfest is like sometimes here. Sometimes, yeah. Our little town gets inundated with a lot of drunk people from not here. And straight up fuckers, honestly. Yeah, a lot of them are not from here. And then, like, the new kids, the new children who have arrived at our three colleges all do this horrible thing for the first time, Mm -hmm. and they don't know how to handle themselves, and they're also terrible. Yeah, I made the mistake of driving by campus. Oh, my God, it's crazy. (sighs) Uh, There's a road here that, yeah, if you drive down it, it's like house party, house party, house party, Mm -hmm. house party. Mm -hmm. Taco Bell, house party. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yep. And then you go up the other road. And it's just house party, apartment complex with lots of house parties. Right. It's just basically an open door policy. Yeah. You can crash as many parties as you want, but I don't know why you would want to. Because we used to be like that. (laughs) We were young once. (sighs) I wasn't much of a party hopper, but I did ride my bike drunkenly from one place to another at least once. I went to the parade for the first time without having to walk in it. That was nice. Uh, <laughs> two guys with a banner is my favorite part of that parade. They are the best part of that parade. It's literally two, two guys, guys with a banner. And they hold the banner, and the banner says two guys with a banner. And it's great, and everyone loves it. They're them. in the parade every year. Also, the Republicans got their asses booed right Good. to hell. So Good. that's great. As they should. Uh huh. So, yeah, that's what this weekend's like. Shit's crazy. One time they threw a dead squirrel around, the college kids did. Yes, and then that got Just on Just to give you context. Yep. Yep. Uh, also, a car was lit on fire and yeah. turned upside down, but that yeah. was not us. That was not us. Out of towners. No. We so. always used to get blamed for shit. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, shit gets weird. It does. I'm glad it's Sunday, mm-hmm. so that shit's almost over. Everybody's leaving. Yep. I'm glad we're inside and safe. <laughs> yeah. Not attempting to go somewhere like the fest grounds or a bar. Oof. All right. Let's do this. Okay. Let's, so... 
you might be aware of this. You've definitely at least heard of this killer. Again, the story's not about the killer, but it's kind of about him because holy shit. But I do have survivors. Of course. Obviously. This is this podcast. I would be worried if you did. I know, right? I would, I would, You're changing I, the rules on me. I watch so much shit just waiting to see if the person lives through it. And when they don't, uh, I immediately turn it off. That's my favorite game. Uh-huh. Did you, this person survive or yeah. not? It's like, wait, come back, come back. No. Yes. Nope. Okay. Okay. Bye. Oh, that's a body. Oh, and I have no Click. time for this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we only, we watch a lot of true crime, but we usually just, now we just do it for research purposes. Yeah. My true crime watching has changed. Yeah. Same. It's, it's gotten a little lighter in that way because we're not just watching murder all the time. No, but we have to sometimes get through a lot of murder. Sometimes you get through a lot of murder. To get to the survivor. I would say that that's um, a little bit what this story is going to be like. Oh, God. So here we go. On July 7th, 2010, Los Angeles police arrested 57-year-old Lonnie David Franklin Jr., Franklin had been arrested on felony charges in the past, including, like, Grand Theft Auto. He'd been in jail and spent years on probation for other smaller crimes that were not uncommon in his neighborhood in south-central Los Angeles. If anyone is aware, it's a bad area. It's not their fault. It's just a really rough area. Yeah. Um, But this time it was different. This time, Lonnie was arrested for the alleged murder of ten women and attempted murder of one more. Oh. Yeah, he was suspected even then for more murders, possibly ranging in the dozens. All crimes committed in the late 1980s and then after a 14-year gap in the early 2000s. So because of this supposed break in his crimes, the serial killer who plagued this area of L.A. had been dubbed the Grim Sleeper. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. Yes, many people may have heard the term. I had heard his name. Yeah. But I had never actually read these stories. It's fucked up. Yeah. So let's talk about it. Franklin was only brought in after his son, Christopher, was brought in on his own felony weapons charge. By this point in time, state law required that felons have their DNA taken and put into a uh, police database. That actually didn't happen very consistently in L.A. until 2015, which is really shitty mm-hmm. and part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so would you say he took a DNA test? Turns out he's 100% that bitch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he is 100% that bitch. Absolutely. So Christopher's DNA was, of course, a near exact match to DNA evidence found on victims of the Grim Sleeper. Not an exact exact match but it just meant that it was close enough that they had to belong to a direct relative of Christopher and that is why they brought in Lonnie so I watched a documentary called Tales of the Grim Sleeper on Hulu it was originally an HBO documentary and uh, first off that was one of the more interesting documentaries that I've ever seen I would super recommend it it's literally two dudes they are British And they just come to investigate this thing by basically hanging out in this area and talking to people who live there. And the people who live there are funny and strange. Yeah. And they have a lot to say. And it's awesome. (laughs) You aren't the cops. Right. Exactly. And it takes them a while. A lot of them don't want to talk to Yeah. They got to build up some reputation. They got to show they're there to. Yes. When they first show up, they get yelled at by three dudes like basically like white dude, get out of here. And then they so they're like, let's go talk to them 
And it turns out those are Lonnie's friends. Oh, shit. Yeah. But even as they talk, they talk all three of them being like, nah, he's innocent. Nah, he didn't do anything. All he ever did was deal in stolen cars. He didn't even steal cars. He just dealt in stolen cars. Sure. He was fine. It's a whole it's he a was, whole system. Exactly. He, w- he was a good guy. He would do anything for anyone. And then individually over time, he would talk to them like by themselves. And mm-hmm. they'd be like, I don't know. Lonnie showed me pictures and stuff. I've seen some stuff. I've been in his house. These people do not think he's innocent, but they don't want to say anything against him. It's you know, it's like the Republicans, right? It's like, oh, we know it's bad, but oh, we when we're all together, yes. we have to hold a united front. Yes, we cannot appear weak, <laughs> but individually, we are all so scared. We are all so scared. <laughs> First off, that was one of the crazier, more interesting documentaries I've seen, and I'll get into that. But secondly, many people incredibly close to Lonnie. And those in the neighborhood went on record, including Christopher. He was in the documentary, his son. And he seems to believe in his father's innocence, if no one else does. Hmm. Yeah. At least for the murders he's accused of. He's like, no, I know my dad, like, you know, did did stuff. You know, we all do stuff. But I don't think he did this. And he expressed extreme guilt that his DNA was the one. He's like, our family doesn't have snitches. We don't tattle on each other. Like... The fact that it was me, just my DNA that did that, he was like, it took me like three years to even acknowledge that that happened. So I feel in some ways bad for him, but also I think he is um, in denial about some stuff. Because as we will talk about, this man is not not the Grim Sleeper. This is not a story about whether or not he is the Grim Sleeper. He is, (laughs) like 100%. So this documentary was released in 2014, and at the time of filming... Franklin's trial was still in like the pre-trial phase. He hadn't even gone to trial and he was arrested in 2010. Like his lawyer was accused of pushing things down the road. Oh, a ton of times. Finally, they went to trial in 2016. And in May of 2016, he was convicted of all 10 murders and the attempted murder and he was given the death penalty. Bye. Yeah. This part I called some bullshit. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) oh uh oh so that part's good right like a serial killer was found he was through dna right like that's like the the big detail it's dna right this isn't circumstantial right that's that's the big shit we know we got him for sure yeah and he's no longer out there killing people and that's huge right but what really 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 fucking sucks about this case as i learned in my research is that lonnie franklin in no way should have been able to go on killing people into the 2000s. It's awful. His Mm. first string of murders yielded DNA evidence. That was taken. There were survivors of the encounters with him in the 80s. People in his neighborhood were privy to his strange behavior, and the LAPD had more than enough time and opportunity to launch a full investigation that would have stopped him much, much sooner. But they they didn't do fucking shit. And we'll talk about it. And it's great. And I'm so angry already. Oh, yay. Yeah. So (sighs) there are several reasons why this didn't happen. Dicks. Mainly dicks and racism. Mm -hmm. As usual. We'll get into it. Um, But first, I'm going to talk about a woman who was dubbed by the media and the courts as the Grim Sleeper's sole survivor. So one, that's not true. Nope. 
Two, she is still the one that I know the most about, and she is still a huge badass. So we are going to talk about her. Okay. So her name is Anitra Washington, and she was walking to a friend's house on the night of November 20th, 1988, when she spotted an orange Ford Pinto with white racing stripes on the hood. She even said in her interview that, like, that's a weird car. It's a really weird car. And she was kind of checking it out. It was just parked around the corner. Yeah. And maybe this person inside the car saw her checking out the car. And a short man hops out. And he asks her if she needs a ride. And she says, no, I'm good. But he's, he's very persistent, but also, like, nice about it. Friendly about it. He did say, probably jokingly-ish, that's the problem with you black women. People can't be nice to you. Which is, yeah, kind of an antagonistic thing to say. But she read from him that he was just trying to be nice and she felt sorry for him because kind of, he looked kind of like a nerd. So she gets in his car. No. Yeah. And no. We've, we've done 55 episodes, so we're aware that this is the part where it's bad. You know, when someone tells me something like that, I tell them to go fuck themselves and I keep walking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. No. I also get that, like, it's the 80s. And it's this neighborhood. Like, a lot of people know people in the area. Who knows? There's a lot of reasons why people get into strange cars. We've discussed it. It always sucks. It's never a good enough reason, but they have their reasons. Sure. So, she gets in. And, of course, the driver of this car is Lonnie Franklin, who immediately whips the car around and starts driving in the opposite direction. Anitra wanted to go. He said he wanted to make a stop at his uncle's for some money. It's a super weird thing to do after you've offered someone a ride. After antagonizing them to get in your car. Seriously. He does make the stop. Likely actually at his own house. Jesus. Based on what we learn later. And then continues on their drive. And then on the way, Anitra remembers that he said something to her that she didn't like quite hear. So she turns toward him. And then she just, everything goes quiet. That's all oh. she says. Everything oh. goes quiet. And suddenly she feels this huge pressure on her chest and she looks down to see that she is bleeding from her chest oh she reaches for the door handle and franklin says don't touch that door bitch or i'll shoot you again oh and that's when she was like you shot me <laughs> like she has she's like i'm pretty sure i was in and out like every couple of seconds because she like misses most of this interaction mm-hmm. she does not remember being shot most like most people don't yeah i mean it's like such a shocking thing to have yeah. happen to your body yeah like, i can imagine that and I think the silence is like the gun ringing in, sh- in like mm-hmm. close quarters like that. So Anitra asked why she had just been shot in the chest. Because like she said, that was my number one. I just wanted to know why he had done right. that. Right. <laughs> and he said, you were dogging me out, which means she was disrespecting him in some way. After she got in his car. Right. Yeah. Apparently she wasn't, I don't know, doing whatever he wanted, saying what Grateful he Grateful enough. Yes. And then he starts to ramble about women in general. He even calls Anitra by another woman's name and just like starts mumbling to himself. such a good sign. It's such a good sign. Love it when people who are giving other people a ride start mumbling to themselves. He refuses to take her to a hospital when she asks. And she tells him, if I die, I'm going to haunt you forever. You're going to have to take care of my kids. Good. (laughs) Good. Yeah. I was like, damn, you've been shot. That's awesome. If I die, I am haunting your goddamn ass. Seriously, it's awesome. So 
this is where things get very fuzzy for Anitra. She'd been shot in the chest, so she spent the next several minutes blacking out and coming to, blacking out and coming to. At one point, Franklin pulled the car over, got on top of her, and raped her. Oh. While she is bleeding mm. from the chest. Oh. Yes. She woke up either during or directly after this due to the feeling of immense weight on her chest, like just sure. the pain of it. She blacked out again. Sure. And then woke up to a camera flash. Oh. Franklin was taking pictures of her. Sure. This is he's something he did. Yes. Because he's gross. He's really fucking gross. Getting more wine. <laughs> Do it. At this point. This is the most awkward sound. I really hope the mics are picking up. <laughs> I know your mic was, but now mine is too. <laughs> it's not going very fast. Did the listeners have to pee now? <laughs> Anitra reached again for the door handle, trying to escape. And this time Franklin opened the door and threw her out of the car onto the road. Oh. She had to, he drove away, obviously. Sure. She had to pick herself up and drag herself to her nearest friend's house, which Jesus. just happened to be semi-nearby, thankfully. Good. Her friend wasn't even home, though. Oh. So she lay bleeding on the front porch until they came back. Oh. It's awful. What a thing to come back to. For real. But she lives. She lives through yeah. this. She's a yeah. survivor. Yeah. Killing it. Now, this is this info I specifically got from the documentary because no article I read talks about this. I found nothing outside the documentary. So take that, you know, for what it's worth, but also this is firsthand accounts. A, um, what is that? Point, point two five caliber? Would you call it that? Sure. I don't know guns. Oh, yeah. Me either. Point two five caliber bullet. So a small bullet, I would think lodged itself into Anitra's chest and was still there. And when it was removed, it was found to have been fired from the same gun that had killed eight other women at the time. Eight other women were already dead by the same gun. Eight women that we now know to be, for sure, the Grim Sleeper's first victims. But this information was not released for another 20 years, is a phrase you hear all the time in that documentary. Uh-oh. Yeah. The Black Coalition which I did not know was a thing, but it is a hey. group. Yeah. It is a group in LA working to get justice for black victims. Yep. They seem cool as shit. It doesn't fucking happen. Exactly. Yeah. And it's all it's all just like badass women mm-hmm. who like are very animated and steal microphones from cops during They're press conferences. Cool. They're it's super cool. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like um so they were told by police at the time that they had the bullet and now they were just waiting for the gun to come through the station. Which is something that seemed insane to the coalition at the time. Like, you're just going to wait and hope that that gun comes in as evidence for some other crime at some point. Like, what? Mm -hmm. You're not going to go look for it. You're not going to go look for the owner. No. Of course, it's not registered. They'd have to do something in order for that to happen. That would be police work. Yeah. (laughs) Stop it. No, we don't do police work. Jesus, who do you think we are? Central LA. The police? Come on. Ah. So that sucks. Uh, This also sucks. Anitra was able to describe for police the car that Franklin was driving, which again is a weird fucking car. Not, Mm -hmm. it's like the white bug. Like, that is a distinct car that people remember. Yeah. An orange Ford Pinto with racing stripes. Not only that, though, it is the same car as Franklin's previous victim, who wound up dead, was seen getting into by a witness. Mm. This was known. Mm. 
And she was also able to give them a description, which led to a sketch. That I mean, sketch, mm-hmm. at least they aren't calling the witness a liar. They aren't calling anyone a liar. Well, okay. Maybe. Okay, one second. Oh. oh. Just give me a second. No. Um, <laughs> so sorry. Damn the it. The sketch was not released to the public sure. at the time. It was not released until 20 years later. Sure. It's a pretty good sketch, too. Sure. Anitra was also able to bring the police to the street where Franklin had made that stop at his own house when he said he was going to his uncle's. She mistakenly pointed out the house two doors down. Oh, no. Yes. But uh, still, they were on the street where he lived. She brought the police there and said, that's it. This is some fucked up My Fair Lady song. Uh Uh-huh. And they knew his car. So, hey, maybe is the car parked on the street anywhere? Maybe we could stake it out a little bit, check out where that car Again, goes to and from. Police work. Exactly. You're asking for police work from the police. They had a witness. They had multiple witnesses. They had a car. They had a, a street. Like, there was no reason why a minimal amount of police work here wouldn't have done the job. However, according to police at the time, Anitra was considered unreliable. yeah so like as far as i know it's not like they went yeah you're a liar to her face but they were like "Uh uh-huh okay sweetheart Mm -hmm. yeah we'll look into it and then they didn't Mm -hmm. because she was a poor black woman and as far as i know um, a lot of the people we're going to be talking about are sex workers anitra was not but in, in the inter- interview, she was like, I mean, if you're a black woman, you're a sex worker, right? Mm-hmm. They just assumed. They just yep. assumed I was. Yep. So. You can say you aren't, but they're going to jump to their own fucking conclusions. Yeah, they don't care. Nope. Or that you're on drugs. Fuck it. Who knows? So they even, the police even went so far as to argue with the coalition that eyewitness sketches were not reliable. So that's why they didn't put it out to the public. And one of the coalition members was like, shit, can I? So when I defend... My people who have been brought in on an eyewitness sketch, can I bring you in as an expert witness to say that they're unreliable because you use them all the time? Oh, fuck! Yeah. So, that sucks. Also, Mm -hmm. too, in addition as well. Also, too. (laughs) All right. It's not done sucking. I'm sorry. (sighs) Okay. At the time of Anitra's attack, none of the previous eight murders that are linked to the same gun had been reported even on the local news. It didn't make the newspapers. Well, yeah, because it was black women. Yep. Yeah, that oh. was that was very common. There was, in Milwaukee, at the same time, there was a little white girl and a little black girl that went missing in the 90s at the same mm-hmm. time. The only, only the white girl got coverage. Of course. Yep. Of course. So, yes, you are correct. All of the victims, including Anitra, were black women from the South Central area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a very rough area, as I mentioned. Lots of poverty. The schools are not good no um, crime that's things. also a systemic oh yeah thing that like we really should talk about someday mm-hmm. to survive like a public school system is still like a feat mm-hmm. as someone who went through the public school system well, before you're... my mom moved me out of that fucking district for sure well like when you fund your public schools in the area off of property taxes and the area is full of dilapidated houses <laughs> <laughs> and shit businesses then like yeah you don't everything sucks it's a cycle yeah, of yeah. everything sucking for yeah. generation upon generation yeah. and that's it's weird how that works uh-huh it's weird how we haven't figured out a better way huh. um 
But so that's exactly what's happening in South Central LA forever, forever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they all live in this area. Most of them were sex workers. Yeah. Many of them were also addi- addicted to crack because yes. Yes. it was the 80s and that was definitely a thing. Yes. That's a thing that actually Franklin would use. He would specifically offer crack to people, to sex workers, oh. in order to get them into his car, to oh. get them into his house, oh. and then to keep them subdued while he would rape and then subsequently kill them. Yeah, okay. Fucking asshole. Um, this is the worst part. No! I think, personally. You you might have your own worst part. <laughs> this is, this is not a choose-your-own-adventure. <laughs> God fucking damn it, Taylor. This really does suck. The LAPD used to have a marker for these crimes, ones involving drug addicts and sex workers. They were called NHI, which stands for No Human Involved. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Aww. It was like it was like considered a victimless crime. So not only did the LAPD not give a shit what Anitra had to say, but they weren't even publicly acknowledging that the other murders existed or that they were murders because those people were not people and that means that eight crimes with the exact same mo done by the exact same gun did not get acknowledged as the work of a serial killer or get acknowledged as anything at all they had every opportunity to solve this crime in the 80s yeah anitra gave invaluable testimony but ultimately it was not her words that brought franklin to justice Instead, it was his son's DNA 22 years later. After they got a it's match. Fine. From, it's fine. It's fine. Everything's it's fine. fucking it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. I'm going to drink fine. more. One second. So after they got a match from Christopher Franklin, an undercover cop posed as a waiter at a pizza joint and took an unfinished piece of pizza from Lonnie Franklin. Oh. They analyzed his DNA, finally, and then Good. put the pieces together, finally, and arrested him, finally, in 2010. In his home, they found hundreds of photos of women on Polaroids and then on cell phones. Many of these women were passed out, unconscious, mostly from drugs. Some of them might have been already close to dead. We don't know. Anitra's picture was among those photos, and that, that really did help clinch things. They were like, oh, it's that woman. We actually can put what she said into now action finally because we found her photo it also opened up the possibility that franklin killed many 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 more women than we are aware of <laughs> anitra did testify here <laughs> just just screaming just indiscriminate screaming at this point it's fine it's fine everything's fine it's fine anitra did testify at franklin's trial where he pled not guilty like a real son of a bitch she pointed him out as her attacker. They asked, how sure are you is that, that that is the man? She said, 100%. And then she told her story again, hopefully to people who were listening. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, the jury did uh, convict him, so you yeah, hope. Someone was listening. Yeah. She said to him during her testimony, quote, I thought I forgave you, but I was wrong. You stole so many people's lives. Let's talk about the other survivors for a sec. And um, and then I promise it'll be done. <laughs> Feel like you're lying it's, to I'm me. I'm not lying. It's just, it sucks. It's going to suck like for a little while. Feel like you're lying to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Now, I mean, this is not a happy, I don't have a happy ending. 
It's going to be sad all the way through, but it's almost done. It's fun. I don't have a happy ending either, so let's go. Huzzah! Now, Anitra is a very brave woman who did everything she could and totally owns. But it is important to note that although she is the only officially recognized survivor of the Grim Sleeper, she is not, in fact, at all the only one. In 2016, the Daily Beast put out an article detailing the story of Lawana Wilson, uh, who was able to point herself out in photo number 125 in Franklin's collection. Jesus. She's like, oh yeah, the one with the pink skirt? Yeah, that's me. Um, she realized after his arrest that she was attacked by him not once, but twice. Ah! Two separate fucking times. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. This is also important because these attacks took place in 1999, which is the period of time in which the Grim Sleeper was supposedly sleeping, not attacking. Bullshit. So, so yeah, that's pretty much bullshit. Both times, Luanda got in his car once voluntarily, once at gunpoint. Both times he raped her. The first encounter, he hit her so hard she passed out, mm. took her picture, left her to die in a locked truck. Oh. The second time, she took an opportunity when he put down his gun to run away. And it was when she was running, when she heard him yell, bitch, I'm going to get my gun, that she realized, quote, it's the same motherfucker from before. <laughs> so literally over the course of a year, she was attacked by the same man twice and didn't realize it until she was running away. And then didn't realize that he was the grim sleeper until she saw him getting arrested. Lawanda is nowhere near the only other one. The Tales of the Grim Sleeper documentary ends by interviewing a group of women about their encounters with Franklin over decades, including the period when he was supposedly not attacking anyone. All of them are sex workers. Most of them had been at the time on some sort of drug. They ranged from the 1980s, all the way to 2007. That was the most recent attack that I could recall. They all have a similar MO. Yeah, it's, this is horrible. He offers drugs. He offers to pay for sex. He gets them into his car or his home. He attacks them. He photographs them. One woman recounted, we were in a van and he started taking my clothes to where I couldn't reach them to put them on. And he left the van door cracked. So I got out and I started running. I ran halfway down the block, butt naked, until a woman, I, I was screaming at her to help me, let me in her car and drop me off at a friend's house. Aww. Another woman said, I keep Visine on me because it puts people to sleep. <laughs> I thought it just made people incredibly sick. But that is so smart. She says, I asked him to get me a drink. He got himself a drink too. I put Visine in his drink. He fell asleep. I got out. Like... Damn. Hold on. Genius. We're looking at what Visine does. <laughs> Don't mind the typing sounds. It's fine. I'm... Does Visine, this is what came up. Does Visine give you the rub? Runs. Rubs? What? <laughs> Who? Um, this product, this will not produce explosive diarrhea, but oral administration of Visine can induce dangerous side effects related to Visine's ingredients. Mm. Um, dangerously low body temperature, hypothermia, blurred vision, nausea, and vomiting. So oh, with the hypothermia, that you would put them to sleep. Out. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, shit. Damn, that hey, is so smart. start fucking carrying Visine. for real. Honestly, because, like, it's the most innocuous thing you could have yes. in your purse. Anyways, continue. I have two more paragraphs. They suck. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just warning you. How am I almost out of wine again? Because you're destroying the whole game. I'm an emotional mess. That's Let's fair. go. 
None of these women ever went to the police. They yes. did not give their names in the documentary. Yeah, that makes sense. They didn't believe that the police would help them yep. because of the work they did. It's not like the police were trying to prove them wrong. Exactly. And there's there was no point. There was no point mm. telling them. No. They would just be brought in on drug and prostitution charges, probably. That's why, what happens. Why fucking bother? Yeah, exactly. That's like nobody calls the cops in those neighborhoods. Right. You would call somebody else to come help you. Yeah. Yeah. So the LAPD no longer uses the NHI designation, no human involved. <laughs> but these women are in no way convinced that their relationship with the police has changed in 20 years. One woman said, quote, yeah, I was out there, meaning on the street. That doesn't mean I'm nothing. It doesn't mean I'm nothing. Like I'm a piece of trash. Oh. And uh, yeah, I didn't put the rest of her quote because then she started crying and saying I didn't choose this life. Oh, no. It's really fucking horrible, dude. It fucking sucks. <sighs> it was awful. It was so bad. But like, that's the kind of shit. Everyone talks about like this entire string of time when the LAPD was like literally the worst police force in the nation. They were horrible and racist and just corrupt and awful yeah if you aren't if you aren't aware of it google it Mm -hmm. there's some pretty fucking famous cases oh absolutely yeah one of which we should probably do at some point sure if you're thinking of the one i'm thinking Uh of i think maybe Uh if not then we both need to do it (laughs) but either way like yes that's very famous stuff this is a little less well known but like yeah they they purposefully just didn't didn't do anything about a serial killer they didn't do anything about a serial killer they were actively beating the shit out of people like killing people killing people there was drug money corruption nepotism yeah yeah it's fine it's fine it's fine everything's fine it's fine and And the police today are fine yeah everything is fine everything is not fine super sorry about it (sighs) but yeah that is unfortunately the story a lot of those women are alive and they're doing how they're doing, but they are alive and that's good. And that motherfucker, I don't think he's been killed yet, but he is on death row. So f- fuck you, Lonnie Franklin. Do you want a uh, heart noise? <laughs> yeah, because mine also possibly talks about corruption. Fuck. So. <laughs> hey, harp noise. <laughs> And we're back. Nah, 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 nah. We don't know that we want to be, <laughs> but we're here. We're here. Sorry about that one, guys. Um, I'm excited to hear about your music-related craziness. Excited is a strong word. I'm trepidatious. So we're going back to a thing that I've talked about before. Uh, oh, no. I mean, no. Okay. The way she's looking at me right now, you guys. <laughs> have you have you ever heard of the Miami Show Band? I I have not. At least I don't think so. Should I have? Probably not. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so there was a documentary that was released on Netflix. If you haven't watched it, I would say go and watch it, but it's also like really confusing and misleading. Ooh. So maybe don't. It was one of those documentaries that was like, flagged as a documentary but it was really more of just a giant conspiracy theory oh fuck those yeah and then you have to watch another documentary with an interview of the survivors in order to make sense of any of it was this true or not yeah that's fun so 
We're going to go back to our favorite decade. Oh, good. 1975. Yay. Ooh, just so you know, I have to let you know, while I was also searching for my documentary, I found a show on Hulu that is called The 90s, The Deadliest Decade, which I was like, are you guys sure? (laughs) Are you (laughs) sure, though? Are we... Are we including certain things in that? or I mean, they seem to be including a lot of stuff. So maybe it's worth a watch just to be like, wait, should we be bumping the 90s down? <laughs> in our? Cause we there were the less serial killers in the 90s, though. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it was just like a lot of other shit. Political stuff. A lot of that. Well, I mean, they're making a bold claim by saying the 90s really were the deadliest. Are. That's why I want to keep watching the show just to be like, okay. Yeah. Are you okay. right or not? <laughs> anyway. So... 1975. Yes. There is a group called the Miami Show Band in Ireland. Oh, okay. Okay, no, that's fine. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why you can't just do things like that's like it's like in, in Miami, they're like, we're the Dublin show band. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> what so the they were one of the most popular show bands in Ireland for like a literal like decade. Okay, wow. Very popular, very well known. What the fuck Huge is a show following? Band? They had six members. They had like a horn section. Okay. They did like their own songs. Sure. So basically, they're a band, but, they're a, a, band, but a big one. Cool. Okay. And this is important. Uh huh. There's two conflicting reports that there were four Catholics and two Presbyterians. Or three Presbyterians, two Catholics, and one member of the Church of Ireland. Okay. Okay. But for the troubles, Uh as we've discussed before. Yes. It's basically a fight between England and Ireland and Presbyterians and Catholics. Right. I remember this episode now. Yeah. We were sitting next to each other. Wow. Wow. I don't know You're why. You're really I gonna focus that. on this? It's like I could. It was the only. You're a one little further away from me. <laughs> Look, I'm saying that was the only one. We were sitting so close to each other that I was worried you were gonna read my notes ahead of time because you could see them so well. Do you need me to hold your hand? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Look, I'm small and weak. <laughs> okay. Well, this was important <laughs> yes. because they were bridging a very large cultural gap. Sure. One that still kind of exists. There's a really great documentary about like a specific road that there's a parade route on that is like half Catholic and half Presbyterian. And there's always fights. And it's the whole fucking thing. God damn. So they bridged the gap and they're they were known for saying, like, hey, we don't see we don't see race, we don't see religion, we don't see anything in the audience, we just see people enjoying our music. Sure. All inclusive. Yeah. Well, they were heading home from a gig in Bainbridge, Northern Ireland. Okay. And they were stopped on the way home by what had been just a regular military checkpoint. Okay. Now they were used to this. Sure. And One of the members actually said, we usually carried a bottle of whiskey with us. We'd give whoever stopped us a drop of whiskey, as they put it. (laughs) Shoot the shit. Talk a little. Mm -hmm. And it was fine. Sure. So these are chill checkpoints. 
Yeah, usually. they're just they viewed it as people doing their job. Sure. Trying not to get in the middle of the conflict. Right. Again, this was during the Troubles. Right, 1975. Which is a name for this that I've already shit on. <laughs> I just, I don't. <laughs> it's, it's so, um, it's, it's 3,500 people died during the Troubles. It's and the yet... most British way to put a thing. Yeah. yeah. To just like downplay the shit out of it yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. So... I'm not going to use a lot of the acronyms. We kind of went over it in the last episode that I did about the troubles. Oh, right. Of the different groups within and like the breakdown from the IRA to like the UVF and like all of this shit and like mm -hmm. everything happening. <laughs> Go find that up. I wish I could remember what that one is called. Yeah. We'll figure it out. I'll Maybe we'll it post it with it. Yeah. Yeah. So they stopped. Um, They thought, again, it was just a military checkpoint. They were wearing British Army uniforms sure but they were actually part of the loyalist terror group called ulster volunteer force oh no called the uvf uh -huh. if you watch any documentaries about the ulster volunteer force you will hear for god and for ulster was oh, one of their phrases this but this thing that i found said also at least four of the men were actually serving in the british army's locally recruited ulster defense regiment so some of the british accents were legit Mm -hmm. that they were hearing okay so Even at first confusing. yeah at first they engaged in friendly banter they were really chill about it they're like oh yeah whatever just another stop we'll right. get through this but then everything changed when another guy pulled up with a quote educated english accent and started giving orders to the men um according to band member stephen travers quote Next thing, this very suave Englishman in lighter-colored fatigues appeared. He had a posh, clipped English accent, and all of a sudden, all the banter and good humor immediately stopped. Uh-oh. I believed that this guy was an English officer. He had a different colored cap and said he wanted our names and date of births. Uh-huh. So they got the guys out of the, the van. Mm -hmm. They were driving in a minibus. It's the 70s. Sure. They had all of their instruments and everything loaded in the minibus. That's super adorable. They pull everyone out. They line them up. One of the guys is really worried about his saxophone. So he asks specifically to go and get it. And sure. he'd been third in line. And he goes to get a saxophone. They check it. They make sure it's actually a saxophone. And he gets moved to the end of the line. And that's what he says saved his life. Oh, no. Okay. Spoiler alerts! <laughs> Shit's about to get weird. Weird? So, oh, no. the UVF gunmen attempted to put an armed bomb in the musician's minibus with what? the plan that it would go off when they reached Newry in Northern Ireland Okay. and make it look like the band members were smuggling weaponry. Okay. I was wondering From Southern like, Ireland to Northern Ireland. Okay. I thought they maybe were like, they were going to plant it and then be like, you have a bomb in here. What the fuck? But no. That's worse. Yes. So it would have pushed the Northern Ireland government to tighten the borders and crack down on the IRA. But when they put the bomb in the bus, it immediately exploded. Oh, no. It killed two, two of the gunmen and it threw the band members into a nearby field. Holy shit. The blast did not kill any of the band members. Wow. Surprising. But 
the gunmen now realized that the band members were now witnesses not only to a fake checkpoint, mm-hmm. but also to a bombing. They've been made. And they're fucked. Yes. So members of the band were chased and shot at with dum-dum bullets. What? <laughs> what is a dum-dum bullet? They are, they're basically like larger hollow points. Oh, no. So they're known to fragment and do the most damage possible oh, in the body. That's awful. Okay. Fran O'Toole, Tony Garrity, and Brian McCoy all were killed. Shit. Fran O'Toole was the lead singer and was said to have been shot 22 times. Whoa. Yeah. With these huge bullets. Yeah. They have holes in them. Yes. Like, oh, God, awful. So while... Yeah, there we go. So while this is all happening, Stephen Travers, who's one of the more vocal survivors, mm-hmm. did get hit with a dum-dum bullet. He was laying next to one of the other band members while they were getting shot. Ugh, awful. He survived by pretending to be dead. Sure. Um, quote, although I didn't know it then, a dum-dum bullet had entered my right hip and exploded inside of me. The rest of the bullet went through my left lung and exited under my left arm. Oh, my God. I was crawling around and saying, everybody all right, but they're dead. Oh. So this is the guy. Okay, so the next quote is from Des Lee, who was the one who grabbed his saxophone. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who had moved in his line position. Right. And in one of the interviews that I watched, he said he was a huge fan of Vietnam documentaries oh okay so it's like 1975 mm-hmm. that shit, had just shit happened yeah <laughs> yeah news coverage was huge it was, this was the first conflict that there were actually cameras there for it right. so oh god yeah um his quote was the blast had blown me o- over the ditch into undergrowth i had pretended to be dead by holding my breath for as long as i could all i could hear was screaming and gunfire the hedge was on fire because of the van exploding. I realized once the fire got right to my body, I was going to have to run. Then it quieted down, and I heard people running. Then I heard someone shouting, Are you sure those bastards are all dead? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, good Christ. I can't imagine, like, how many minutes it was from them getting pulled over. Not Benny. To the, yeah, like, it 10, all, 15? Like, once it all started happening, it went fast. Right. Oh, awful. Yeah. That's like a war zone for someone who's never been in a war zone. Yeah. So the UVF took credit for the killings within 12 hours. Sure. But took a few liberties with describing what happened. Definitely didn't say their own bomb went off, I'm sure. No. That makes them look stupid. Yeah. Claiming that the, uh, quote, stuffy old British officer, Major Doyle... (laughs) had been suspicious of the van and had sent the men to investigate when a bomb suddenly detonated and then the occupants of the vehicles began to fire on them. Oh, my God. Bullshit. Yeah. The patrol sergeant supposedly ordered the fire to be returned. And a quote from the report, it would appear that the UVF patrol surprised members of a terrorist organization transferring weapons to the Miami Chopin minibus. (laughs) And that an explosive device of some description was being carried by the show band for unlawful purposes. Wow. 
It is just... obvious, therefore, that the UVF patrol was justified in taking the action it did and that the killing of the three show band members should be regarded as justifiable homicide. Bullshit. No. Either you are there to be terrorists and claim terrorism so that you can meet the ends you want, you know, like you said, make Northern, Northern Ireland close their borders, or you're there to, like, pussyfoot around it and say, no, 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 this was justified. They were attacking us. What are you, wa- what do you want out right, of this? Right, right. This is completely ridiculous. Yeah. So the IRA then used the actions of the UVF mm-hmm. to justify attacks in the following weeks. Shocking. Because a lot of the troubles was reactionary. Yeah. I mean, violence begets more violence. Mm-hmm. And there was a pretty f- famous bomb attack. Um, the IRA's gun and bomb attack on loyalists um, Bayardo Bar and Belfast Shankill Road on August 13th mm. is said to have been carried out in retaliation for the Miami Showband, ma- Showband Massacre. Shit, okay. So, I mean, if you Google that, that one's pretty famous. So a lot more people died because of this one fucking thing. Yes. Yes. Awful. Yeah. So Stephen Travers, like I said, has been very vocal about it, about what happened. And in the Netflix documentary, they then try and go into this like full conspiracy theory that the attack was actually ordered by the British government and not just by the UVF. Oh, okay. Whatever you want to do. Like, a whole. That's mortifying if that would be true, though. Yeah. That would be truly awful. Yeah. Um, so he said, um, Des Lee actually made it out of everything that happened. He was able to get up, and he went to the road, and he tried to flag down a car. They wouldn't pick him up because they thought he was part of the attack, and that, like, they were going to kill, like, he was going to kill them. Sure. He did get picked up by a couple who took him to the next town over's police station. And he talks about, basically, like, his PTSD from this. Because, yeah. Yeah. You're watching people get shot all around you. And the cops, like, didn't believe him at first. And then wouldn't immediately go to the scene of the massacre. Because they needed to get helicopters in there to make sure there wasn't going to be a secondary attack. Okay. In some ways, I'm like, yeah, you never know. Mm -hmm. He was telling them there's survivors, there's still people alive, and they were not quick to move. And instead, they, like, called in a doctor because he had also been injured. And the doctor kept trying to, like, give him pills because he was having basically a full-blown anxiety attack. Well, yeah. But he was so paranoid he wasn't taking the pills because he thought, oh, my God, this doctor might be trying to kill me. Fuck. Well, they're at least trying to sedate him. Yeah. They're just trying to get him to shut up. He wouldn't. He put the pills that they were trying to give him in his socks. Nice. And then he just kept drinking the water they were giving him. Damn. So, yeah, no, he was not having it. And then Stephen Travers uh, talks about... He's in the Netflix documentary, mm-hmm. but again, the spin on that is just confusing. It's confusing. Um, Travers does say that he thought his bandmates who died were the lucky ones. Jesus. He has a lot of survivor's guilt. Yeah. Sounds like it, poor guy. 
Yeah. Quote, um, sometimes you wake up in the morning and it's like Groundhog Day and you think, do I have to think about this? Because people talk about flashbacks. I don't have flashbacks. The thing is always in front of you. It's part of your life. And it's a life that you don't want to lead sometimes. But without my wife and my daughter, I don't think I'd be here. Woof. Yeah. And this happened so long ago and he's still just like living he's in still, it. still, yeah. Ugh, awful. Oh, yeah. They were basically like the context for the Miami show band. They were basically the Irish Beatles. Sure. Sure. They were they that were popular. Very fucking well known. Damn. I'm sure the public was mortified. Oh, it was it was very less on a global scale mm-hmm. to the assassination for the Beatles. Sure. Much less on a global scale, but still felt. Right. For the for the people who did know them. Yeah. Sure. That makes sense. Travers did say that he obtained a letter. This is where the whole conspiracy theory comes in. Uh-huh. He said he obtained a letter from the UBS stating that MI5 had asked them to assassinate Charlie Howie. Howie? A member of the band? Uh, no. Oh, okay. And this is where it all gets, like, fucking confusing. <laughs> so fun. It's like, why is that related? Because the six members of the band were Fran O'Toole, Brian McCoy, and Tony Garrity, who all died. Mm-hmm. Steven Travers, Desley, and Ray Miller, who all survived. Sure. I Yeah, I wonder, like, why would he have received that letter in the first place? Other than maybe them being like, well, we were ordered by MI5 to murder this person. So maybe think about that in terms of your attack as well. Trying to be like, MI5 orders all these things. <laughs> Which would be insane. So, Charlie, Charles Haugie, Charlie Haugie, was an Irish, I'm not even going to try and say this Gaelic. He's part of the political, he's basically the Republican political party for Ireland. Okay. Who served on three different occasions, and they wanted him dead. So, I'm guessing yeah. he was where they were going. So they could have taken the bomb and justified oh, it okay. as a hit. I guess that's a thing. It was. And this is the thing. It's like there's a bunch of gaps. Right. In the conspiracy theory. Because it's a conspiracy theory. And like, it's always just sort of like, here's what evidence I have. Don't worry about the shit I don't have. <laughs> yeah. And the UVF was basically like trying to spin it so that it was like, oh, well. We were doing this because the government told us to do this, but we didn't really want to do this, but the government told us. Again, you're a terrorist group. It's all just... Like, are you or aren't you capable of terrorism? Oh, are you going to do... absolutely are. (laughs) Then they want to push it off as if everybody else was the problem, and they never, ever, ever actually wanted to commit any acts of terror. It was everyone else told us to... What the fuck kind of terrorist group is that? Right. <laughs> so Travers and Desley were able to identify two of their assailants who were both UVF members who were also serving in the UDR, which I'm not even going to fucking get into. This is the acronym. The, the troubles the- is just all acronyms. <laughs> so suspicion fell on UVF's Robin Jackson, who was also known as the Jackal. <laughs> sorry i'm just thinking of the west wing now right yeah um who was one of the most prolific killers of the troubles 
oh shit okay never mind and he wasn't really able to be convicted because things just didn't stick damn like yeah. he just never left evidence yeah whoa um former british intelligence officers colin wallace and fred holroyd were eventually dismissed and their reputations quote unfairly tarred because they were like apparently dragged into this and they were like we didn't do it we didn't do it. We didn't collude with the terrorists. There's no collusion. There's no collusion. <laughs> One of the soldiers did receive a life sentence after having been found guilty of murder. One of the UDR soldiers. For this massacre? The Ulster Defense Regiment. Right. Yes. Okay. So and the thing, yeah, cool. the thing with the UVF and like IRA and all of that, they did have groups like in prison. They basically had like prison gangs only more organized sure and they would hold like at least for the uvf they would like hold marches and like they'd have parades and they would have inspections in the morning and they would like raise a flag and like everything was scheduled and like whoa it was was weird they give shits no matter where they are (laughs) it's all about that pride yo yeah gotta have a lot of it i imagine to kill people over it on both sides that's not (laughs) That's an everybody thing. Yeah. This is a good quote. Mm -hmm. Their murder was an atrocity, which had such a profound impact on everyone on this island. It is remembered with sadness to this very day. We remember their affection in which they were held by the people of the length and breadth of Ireland. Their popularity crossed all boundaries and all traditions. They simply wanted to entertain everyone who had a love of music. At a dark time, they were a shining light for so many people. That is a very sweet quote. Yeah. I'm sure that's exactly what they were. It sucks that they got caught up in all that shit. Yeah. The troubles. If you ever go to Parnell Square North in Dublin, Ireland, they have a monument dedicated to the deceased Miami Show band members. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's very sweet. As someone who's been to Dublin, Ireland, I did not see it. We did not wander very far off the beaten path, though. That's fair. Although, if I ever get to there, I will have to check that out. It's kind of cool. There's, like, some statues that still have bullet holes in them from the Troubles. Oh, Christ. It really, you know, in the grand scheme, it wasn't that long ago. It really wasn't that long ago. (laughs) Crazy. It really wasn't that long ago. So crazy. So, yeah, go to Ireland, look at the statues with the bullet holes in it, and then maybe go try and find the one that's for the Miami show band. Yeah. Oh, I want to. (sighs) Well, we really did do that whole thing, didn't we? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That was a rough one. But these are good stories. I feel like the last one was a rough one, too. Was it? Um, Yeah. Yeah, it was heavy. No, now I'm trying to remember. It. Compared to our natty ice, it was heavy. That's true. Yep, our natty ice was light. Our everything we else heavy. was heavy. <laughs> <laughs> and now I think I mean our wine was light and we were heavy. Maybe we need a heavy drink. Maybe we need to be drinking stouts one night. I have like, some in the fridge. Well, maybe then one day we'll choose a lighter topic in the time of winter Mm -hmm. it's the season of stouts it's the season almost yeah Mm -hmm. certainly fucking cold enough our winter vanilla porter will be coming Mm -hmm. soon this time we'll look for it and maybe we'll plan for a lighter episode when we can drink a heavy drink yeah and just make ourselves a little happier maybe let's go for like a like a dude 
dude hit by lightning seven times kind of thing next time. Sure. <laughs> we'll see what we you can mean find. Where you make me hate my life. Yeah. Because you keep ripping on my guy. Um, I love your guy. He's a great guy. I don't remember his name. He's a great guy, though, and he had a really, really good idea, which for anyone, you know, maybe this is your first episode of this podcast, but for Spirit anyone who God isn't Taylor. aware, this guy got hit by lightning seven times, and he started just, you know, carrying around a can of water. Because so his hair say, kept catching on fire. Yes. A can of water, you guys. A can. That's what will never truck. be over. In his truck. Just around with him. And the thing is that you should be a little bit like that guy. And you should never, ever, ever forget your can of water. Damn it. <laughs> she just threw something at me. I threw an F-bomb at you. 